and you're listening to Buzzkillers. Every time I can't <laughs> not. I'm sorry. We've literally been sitting here talking in front of our mics without recording for the past like 30 minutes. 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we like we like hanging with each other. <laughs> and, and it also helps that this is like our talking room. So oh like yeah, we're just like the second we get up here, we're like, and then all of a sudden it's a half hour later, and we're like, shit. Oh, we need to record. Record. We were not, like, sitting here talking <laughs> about the case. Like, let's just make that clear. We were not doing that. Uh, it, it, like, it's funny because at first we went from you were still working from home, kind of. So, like, we saw each other a lot. All the time. Like, literally, like, four times a week. And mm-hmm. now it's at the point where, like, we see each other maybe on the weekends. Yeah, maybe. Sometimes maybe very rarely during the week. One of us will yeah, be like, very oh, for dinner. But, like, it's very rare. Yeah. And so it's just like. Now we see each other and we don't shut up. We really don't. We really don't. She'll come over at like noon on a Sunday if we record on a Sunday, and we she'll be there till like seven. Yep. Like <laughs> I've literally come over and been like, I'm gonna leave right after we record. I got a bunch of stuff to do, and then it's five hours later, and, and I'm like, like Well, I gotta go home because I have to go to bed because <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wake up early. <laughs> well, once I like summer is gonna be like normal people hours again. So yeah. I work like evenings. It is weird. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I don't get home till late. Yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Okay. Oh, so but, um, this is the second episode of December, which is choice. Ladies' choice. And let me see, what are we drinking today? Ooh, it's so cool. We bought this a while ago, so I'm excited. We did. I know. We've had so many wines. Hold, please. I had to reach for the bottle. <laughs> um, it's got this pretty lady on it. Um. <laughs> I used to sound like a grandma or something. Pretty lady. It's a pretty lady. Um, it is called <laughs> Prophecy. Prophecy. And it is a rosé. I think it's vin de France. Vin de France. Vin de France. <laughs> oh, you're trying to do what I do. I'm trying to do the thing. It doesn't really work. It is a 2019 <laughs> one. I told you I'm going to be like, Buzzkillers, Buzzkillers. <laughs> <laughs> like you can you can find us at buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> She's gonna do her own echoes this my, episode, my ladies own and gentlemen. Echoes. So please stick around through the very end of the episode. It's going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's called Prophecy, Goddess of Fortune. It's a rose mm-hmm. and it's like I like I said, it's Vin de France, I think. It's V I N. If anybody speaks French better than me, tell me. My sister I'm, could probably pronounce I it. I don't mean to be. My sister would be like, "Oh," and I was like, I'd be like <laughs> "God bless you." I, d- okay? I mean, I think I think it is. Um, and prophecy. Well, wait. Prophecy Rosé showcases the best of the South of France. Mm-hmm. The wine is delicate and bright, with layered notes of fresh red fruit. What's red fruit? A tomato. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Melon Stra- and citrus. Oh, that, yeah. Raspberries? raspberries? Y- yes, yes, that could work. <laughs> um, fresh red fruit, melon, and citrus leading to a crisp and refreshing finish. It is very good. It is actually really good. I really like this one. I really like it, too. It's got tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, no. remember had tomato wine? Mm, it's called sauce. <laughs> it's called marinara sauce. Oh, wow. I made great marinara sauce the other day. It was great. I cooked oh. it all day. Sorry. <laughs> Off oh topic. Oh, my God. We had raviolis for dinner tonight, and they were so good. Mm. I love raviolis. So good. Yeah. Anyway, we so were talking about Ladies' Choice Month, and then we got severely derailed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Like always. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> also, not sorry. 
song of bullying. Uh. <laughs> anyway, so what are we talking about today, Nicole? Because I don't know. So yeah, um, I have kept this one a total secret. I, I apparently I know the case, and I've been racking my brain all week. What could is, she talk about? I've previously mentioned this case. Okay. Once you say what it is, I'll probably be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're literally like, oh, duh. You know what it is. I don't know how much you know about it, but I ended up with, like, almost seven pages of notes on it. And I was like, girl, whoa. They actually just put out a new documentary, too, which was really cool to watch. Um, Oh. I am going to be telling you about D.B. Cooper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because we talked about that during John List. Yes. And his name does come up. Only very briefly. Um, Because he is probably not. But there is a new HBO documentary that came out literally like three weeks ago. Wow. And the best part is I did not know that when I decided to do this case. Awesome. (laughs) And it was actually really interesting. It focused on the people who they really thought were D.B. Cooper. Yeah, because they have a couple. They had a couple viable suspects (laughs) from what I know. Um. And so they focused mainly on four different people. And okay. so they, like, tell his story throughout it. And they actually go through and they interview, like, the stewardess that's on the, that was on the plane and the pilot and the co-pilot. And cool. they have passengers that were on the plane and um, oh. agents that worked on the case when it happened and stuff. It's really, it was a really good documentary. I cool. thought it was really well done. Some people said it was kind of boring when I was reading reviews online. So I was a little wary going into it. But I thought it was really informative. I liked it. Okay. Um, I subscribed my, I did a free trial of HBO for a day and then canceled it. I do that <laughs> all the time. I do it so much for this podcast. I do it all the time. And I literally have thought about this. I'm like, mm, someday, someday with this podcast, we will invest in all of those things. I know. We'll actually have the money to just be like, oh, shoot, that's on HBO. Oh, cool. I have a subscription. I mean, if. I don't know. I don't really care. But I we, we do this for our fucking enjoyment and I don't we care. do it would be awesome if this like took us somewhere but you know whatever uh, i'm gonna do this whether there's five listeners or five million and we so. love you all all five of you <laughs> <laughs> no there's, there's probably one. but you know what i've been pissed about i'm sorry really off topic the, have you seen the spotify um like 2020 things being popped up yeah we can't get it we um, can't no because i tried to log in through spotify and because we're like linked through Podbean, we don't technically have an official account with them. Oh, so they have that their own sucks. like they have their own little statistics that they do for their own site. So, but well, congrats to congrats to the rest of you. The world may never know I about Buzz see, Killers. Um, I was looking. Oh, I'm gonna forget who posted it. Stephen Queens, I think, had one. The Stephen Queens. I think, yes, I think Stephen Queens had one, and then I think it was... Morbid definitely had them. Was it, is it, are they called Cup of Murder? World of, World Cup of Murder? Something, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look up their name and correct myself. But they posted know. one, and they were like, oh, throughout the year, they were like 37th. Of oh, like on all the, the true, true crime, crime podcast, C- they were like, "Congratulations!" I was like, you. "Congrats, dude! That's fucking awesome!" Congrats to you, sir. Like, I tip my. I'm hat. So really sorry. I'm forgetting your name right now. I we follow eight million podcasts, but <laughs> yeah. I know it's it's one that I actively see. Oh yeah, um, we have a couple that we actively see. Yeah, we're like <laughs> we like you. <laughs> we really like you. <laughs> yeah, you like us too. anyway all right db cooper back to db cooper guys are you ready for this i am this because i know very little 
So, like, I knew this case going in. I knew the story. I did not know much past the story. And there was things while I was reading this, and I was like, what? Like, it's interesting. It is very interesting. And I really can't wait to hear everybody's theory. Because, like, if we can have people, like, come to me with your theory on this one. Because this is still, this is unsolved, guys. This G.B. Cooper is unknown. So Me with my wine on a Friday night trying (laughs) to solve... Uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't come out. I'm sorry, I can't come out tonight. I've got an 18-year-old unsolved murder that I have to solve. <laughs> yes. So I'm pumped. I've only seen a BuzzFeed, like you know those those two guys that do like BuzzFeed things. Oh, um, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. that this episode on that, and yeah. they're like what 15 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. They're short. I didn't actually realize that BuzzFeed Unsolved has um they have like a whole true crime sector. Yeah. And they have like a whole YouTube just like yeah. dedicated to just unsolved true crime. Oh, yeah. I was like, whoa. I followed it the other day. And I was like, I can't sit here and watch 18 million videos. I do that every day. (laughs) (laughs) Frequently. (laughs) I do that frequently. So, guys, this is the only unsolved hijacking case in American history. The only one that has never been solved. I'm pumped. Um, So, I'll just start by saying... D.B. Cooper is actually not this person's name. Well, yeah, they don't know who it is. Well, funny enough, D.B. Cooper isn't even correct. So they got the name from the ticket the man purchased. Okay. And the, the name he put on said ticket was Dan Cooper. Okay. And when the media picked up on this case, they misheard it. So the media started saying his name was D.B. Cooper and it took off from there because it became such a like nationwide oh. story that by the time they were like crap it was Dan Cooper not DB Cooper every like everyone already knew him as DB Cooper yeah, so everyone would have to try and like yeah. backpedal so they kind of just rolled with it so everybody refers to him as DB Cooper but his actual like ticket well, name how we know him is Dan Cooper okay and I refer the name to on the ticket I was gonna say I refer to him as Dan Cooper through most of this okay cool okay, <laughs> good, to, good to know yeah so thank you media for that um, God so it starts uh, it starts on November 24th of 1971 it is the day before Thanksgiving and a guy by the name of Dan Cooper Purchases a one-way ticket for a measly $18.52. You kidding me? I wish, right? He purchases purchases this ticket with cash at the counter at the Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon. Okay. He goes from there and he boards his flight. It's flight number 305, and it's going from Portland to Seattle, Washington. It's a short flight. It's only supposed to be about 37 minutes. Okay. Um, And he gets on the plane and he takes his seat, 18C. Okay, eighteen C. This the the specifics they have in this case blows my mind with the fact that we have not solved it because like you basically know everything except for who this person is. It's insane. Um, <laughs> I can't. I'm speechless already. All right. So FBI, um, and that's another thing I wanted to say is a lot of my sources not only came from the documentary I already mentioned, which is the mysteries, uh, uh, the mystery of DB Cooper, which was the HBO documentary okay. that just came out. And a lot of it came from the FBI directly. Really? A lot of my sources were directly from the FBI's website. Well, because they're fucking <laughs> looking for them. Yeah. <laughs> them and um, they had, there's um, a citizen research team that I will talk about in a little while called Citizen Sleuths. I got a lot of information from them, too. Okay, cool. So thank you to them because they, like, had 
details up yin yang um <laughs> ding dong okay <laughs> um so the fbi described him as kind of like a nondescript man people said he kind of looked like a little bit like a businessman he was wearing a dark suit with a black tie um he had on loafers and a trench coat and he was just carrying a briefcase okay he was very average by all accounts yeah like extremely <laughs> are you good over there <laughs> Yeah, my mic just like came out of its holder. <laughs> Sorry, maybe she's having some mic issues, and it was just <laughs> I look over and her eyes are all wide, and she's like, I'm like jerking the microphone. Around. I'm trying not to have it make noise while you're talking. It's just so funny. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> we're having the time today, guys. Oh Woo! my god, we like this is what happens when we haven't seen each other in a while. I know. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Okay. Anyway, so. While waiting for the plane to take off, uh, Dan Cooper orders, sorry, orders a bourbon and soda. Mm, classic. <laughs> so he's drinking, and they're waiting, and then the, finally the flight starts to get moving. They're hitting towards the runway to the point where they're about to take off. Okay. And this is when it just goes zero to 100. So it's about 3 p.m., and Dan Cooper hands the stewardess, her name is Florence Schaffner, Schaffner? spelled like Schaefer, but with an N-E-R. Schaefer. Is it S-C-H? S-C-H-A-F-F-N-E-R. Schaefer. Yeah. Schaefer. I'm putting way too much thought into this. I mean, either one of those could be correct. I don't, I mean. I'm going to call her Florence. (laughs) (laughs) So he hands Florence a note. And at this time, when they interviewed the other stewardess in this documentary, she talks about how it was very common for men to hit on the female stewardess. Um, she actually talked about when she first signed on with the airline, she had to sign a contract stating that she would not gain so much weight. Like, she could only be a certain weight, and if she went over it, she would be fired. What? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy. freaking insane? Okay. Um, she And she literally just, like, I mean, at this point in the documentary, you can tell she's, like, in her 60s. And when this happened, I believe she was 20. And so she just kind of, she like laughed off and she was like, it was the time. That's just how it was. That's so And she crazy. was like, so we didn't think anything of it. So flight attendants were beautiful women. They were like oh, yeah. basically model status because that's what they had to sign up for. They like, they would only hire certain types of women. And it was basically like Victoria's Secret models. Oh um, <laughs> um, so... It was common for them to get hit on, receive notes and phone numbers and addresses and names and stuff. So she took this note and was like, okay, it's just another one of these. Tucked it in her pocket and walked away. So not long after, Dan Cooper calls her back over and is like, I think you should look at that note. She's like, all right. So she goes and she kind of goes off into like a little private area of the plane where the other stewardess is. And she takes out this note and reads it. (laughs) <laughs> this note says that there's a bomb in his suitcase, and he's hijacking the plane. Uh, well, good thing she read the note. She <laughs> is shocked beyond belief, and she shows this note to the other stewardess. Her name was Tina Mucklow. Um, so Tina actually takes the note and goes back to the seat because the note, the note. Um, I'm sorry, I missed the. It's saying the note says, "Sit down beside me." Oh, okay. So, says, I have a bomb, I'm hijacking you, come sit down next to me. So, Tina takes the note and goes back, because Florence didn't want to. So, Tina goes back and sits down next to Cooper, and he opens the suitcase, and he shows her the bomb. She described it as 
several sticks of what looked like dynamite with just lots of wires and electrical tape like all over the place. Um, and he then has her take the note to the captain and it has his demands on it. And he makes it very clear he will not be taken alive. That was like one of the big things that was said in the documentary. He would, he was like very adamant that he would not be taken alive if something were to go wrong. So she calls up to the cockpit and the, when they interviewed the pilot, this was very interesting to me. They have like a system where they can, it's almost like a, like a buzzer. So they like Uh buzz up and normally one buzz is literally the stewardess asking the the pilot and the co-pilot if they'd like coffee. And if it buzzes a crap ton of times, there's an emergency. And so they're like going down the runway to start taking off. And this buzzer starts going crazy. And the pilot was like, what is happening? I cannot help you right now. I have to fly this plane, ma'am. So um, they call back to where she is on the plane. They have like their phones. They call back and she tells them what the note says. And it explains that he wants four parachutes. He wants $200,000 in cash using only $20 bills. And he wants food for the plane's crew. And he wants this by the time they land on the ground in Seattle. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So from there, the pilots radioed air traffic control, who immediately called authorities. And authorities actually called Donald Nyrop, who was the airline's president. Okay. And the president literally just went, give him whatever he wants. He was like, I didn't want bad press. I didn't want to see something go wrong. Like, he was like, just give it to him. Like, give him what he wants. So, while they are, the authorities start collecting the ransom, getting the parachutes together. Um, Tina goes back to the seat where Cooper is, and he actually asks for the note he gave her back. This is very smart. Uh, yeah, they can't do anything with his handwriting. Exactly. Shit. So he takes back the note. You know, obviously she wasn't going to be like, no. She was just like, she's like, oh, okay. Take take it. It. And, then, and she's gotten instructions that they're supposed <laughs> to give him whatever he wants. Exactly. So, uh. so, um, she actually sat with him for a while and he, she even lit some cigarettes for him because he didn't want to take his hand off the detonator. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> So, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, God, Nicole. (laughs) I'm such a gross human being. So, they actually took the plane and they told passengers that there was a mechanical issue. And before they could land, they had to fly, they had to keep flying. So, they flew in circles around the Seattle airport. Okay. For almost three hours. The flight was supposed to be 37 minutes. They were up there circling for almost three hours. And can you imagine? This is before they have, like, Wi-Fi in the plane uh-huh. that you can pay for. Your family's probably like, what the hell? Where is my family member? And, I mean, and it doesn't help. It was a very small plane. There were only 36 passengers. Okay. So it's And it was only a 37-minute flight. So I don't know how many people have flown that often. But when you take a shorter flight, they don't give you as many supplies. You don't get full meals. You don't get as many yeah, necessities d- on the plane because yeah. you don't need them. Right. So you've got these people trapped on a plane for three hours, and all you have is, like, bags of peanuts. Oh. So <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. 
I would so literally die. But <laughs> the reason he would not let them land the plane is because when they touched down, he wanted to make sure everything was ready. When they landed, he wanted his ransom money, he wanted his parachutes, and he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. He was not sticking around. Because it just obviously gave authorities more time to try and capture him. Right, right, right. Um, which is relatively smart for a criminal. Um, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. So at, at one point, um, Tina actually says in the interview that she asked him if it had something to do with like a grudge against the airline. And she said that Cooper said to her, he has a grudge, but not with the airline. You never really get an explanation to this. Who's who's the grudge? Right. <laughs> like you yo- Is it with one of these people on this plane you're making them wait for three hours? <laughs> Is it the pilot you're making him fly? Sit for three hours and eat only peanuts. And eat only peanuts, you bastard, and give me two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like or is it the actual dude himself and not the airline itself? You literally have no idea. Oh my god, so many thoughts. So <laughs> so the plan final the plan. The plane finally <laughs> lands at five forty five PM. Oh my god. Remember it was running it was going down the runway at three PM. Uh, so almost three hours. Um, so the flight lands at the SeaTac airport in Seattle and authorities were obviously waiting. And the the funny part was, um that's not really funny, but they interviewed they had like original interviews from the news of passengers coming off the plane. Really? What? And so they were like they were like, We were clueless. They kept us so well in the dark. They just told us there was a mechanical issue and they had to keep flying. They were like, yeah, we were irritated, but like we didn't know what happened until we went to deboard the plane and there was cops fucking everywhere. Oh my so God. they interviewed like three or four passengers that were like, yeah, we literally didn't know anything. We were just like chilling up in the sky until we landed and we were like, why are there cops everywhere? <laughs> like, can you, sir, can you explain to me why you're here? Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So... Tina actually gets off the plane before the passengers um, disembark, and she gets the ransom money. I just hit my microphone. She gets the ransom money and all four parachutes and brings them back on board. Okay. And once Cooper has these, he lets all the passengers go. The only people he does not let off the plane, the pilot, the co-pilot, and Tina. Not even Florence. Sorry, Mr. Florence. Flo- Mr. Florence, Florence was like, I'm fucking out of here. She's like, uh, no, yoink. I thought he out. was hitting on me. This is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> this today. is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I said I wouldn't gain any weight, but I did not sign up to be hijacked. Um, so. so Cooper had requested $20 bills because they would be easier to jump with, less, less actual physical dollar bills. Right. So less weight. Um, he also asked them to be randomized serial numbers because he didn't want them to be able to trace them. Okay. But here's what they did. They had they randomized the serial numbers, but they made it so that they all started with the same letter. They all started with the letter L. And they like they marked every single one of these numbers down. Okay. So even though the serial numbers were like they started with L and they were randomized, they knew every single serial number that they gave that him. That they had given him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's smart. Um, so he thought he was clever, but they were wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so authorities actually offered to show Cooper how to use the parachutes, but he, he declined. He was like, no, I'm good. 
Um, he made sure, and the uh, oh, sorry, they made sure that they gave him real parachutes because they were afraid, with there being four parachutes, that he was going to make the two pilots and the stewardess also jump with him. Yeah, and they didn't want to risk their lives by giving him a fake, sh- a fake right? Because if you give him like one and somebody random gets the wrong one, yeah, exactly, or he figures it out or something, yeah. So there was, like, no good way to do that. So they were just like, Jeez, mm, here's okay. four parachutes. Um, so once he gets all this and all the, the civilians are off, um, he orders the plane to take off again with the destination of Mexico City. So they're going from Seattle to Mexico City. Okay. And at 7.36 p.m., the plane takes off again. So he tells the pilot to keep the plane under 10,000 feet and under the speed of 200 knots. Okay. This is good for jumping well yeah i mean i feel like you can't go any higher you can't breathe (laughs) so um he actually (laughs) i'm sorry i just skipped part so around 8 p.m he removes his clip-on tie because it was a clip-on tie it was black tie it was from jc penny fun facts I'm telling you, they get so specific with the things in this case, and I'm like, and you still don't know who he is, but you can tell me his clip-on tie was from Jay Z. Penny. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might have had a tag, but I don't know. <laughs> oh so, God. Okay. so he takes this off and he places it on the seat where he was sitting. He actually takes apart one of the parachutes and takes the straps from it and uses those straps to tie the bag of cash to himself. Okay. And then he. Um, he puts on one of the parachutes. Excuse me. Okay. I'm sorry. He puts on two of the parachutes. They were like, they describe them as back front parachutes. So like they have one on the front and one on the back. Okay. Um, so he goes towards the door and Tina just like goes to help him because she's like, mm, I'm just going to do what he says. And he orders her to the cockpit. He's like, no, go to the cockpit. So she gets into the cockpit and... He's trying to open the door. He actually struggled at first to get the door open. And um, he told them over the intercom that they needed to slow the plane down. Okay. More so that he could try and get the stairs to lower. Because there were the st- it was the stairs. Like if you when you open the door, you lowered the stairs. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I understand. So. Um, so they slow the plane down, and he finally gets the stairs to open. Okay. And at 8.24 p.m., he jumps into the night sky. God. And this time is marked to the T by the pilots, because obviously when he opens the door up that high, it screws with the inside of the plane. Oh, and they, yeah. they got all the alerts that there was a pressure like, change wee-oo, wee-oo. Yeah, yeah. in the main area of the plane. And that when the second that happened, the plane, like, I guess it, like, jolted, they said. It kind of, oh. like, does, like, a little bit of a drop. And they, like, got that. They got all the alerts. So they were, like, he jumped. He had to have jumped. Yeah. So they were, and, like, they, he, one of the pilots actually says in the interview, he's, like, he looked at his co-pilot and was, like, remember this time. Like, look at the clock and remember this. Because oh. I think he just jumped. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good when, for them. <laughs> right. After the plane left Seattle to head to Mexico City. Um, the authorities actually scrambled jets and helicopters from a nearby Air Force base to try and follow the plane. Um, but this did not work. It was dark. It was rainy and stormy. 
So they yeah. tried, but it did not work. Okay. Um, the plane ends up landing in Reno, Nevada, with the stairs still down, and they're all fine. And D.B. Cooper is no longer on board. I'm sorry, Dan Cooper, whatever. <laughs> he, he's no longer. I'm not going <laughs> to call him that. <laughs> he is no longer on board. Okay. So they immediately sit down with him, and they draw up a sketch of what he looked like. And it's released to the public. And there are actually, I think if I remember correctly, there's eight sketches done over time okay. of what Dan Cooper looks like. Do they um, all look kind of similar or are they all really different? Um, There's a little difference here and there, but they're Essentially on, on the same. average, they're the same. Okay. Um, I think there's a little bit difference in like his nose size. I mean, like you, uh, you ask a person, and, and you have different. If you have different, like people drawing too. Exactly. Like, you're, you're asking different people, you know, and they're just, they're trying to just to describe to you what they saw, but it, they could describe it in a weird way that makes the artist not draw it the same way. Like you know, there's so much variab- variable, so many mm-hmm. variables to that. Exactly. So. They get this sketch drawn up, and they immediately re- release it to the public. Yep. Perfect. They let everybody know he's a man about in his mid-40s. He stands around 5'10 to 6'1. Okay. He weighs about 170, 175 pounds. He's got brown eyes, olive skin, and black hair. That ha- And he had a standard haircut for the time that was parted on the left side. Okay. He literally was the most average person. Like... <laughs> You could get, seriously. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and the FBI collected evidence from the plane, including his tie and eight cigarette butts. And they even had over 60 fingerprints on file. But no matches have ever been made to them. Oh um, my God. <laughs> They had over 1,000 troops search the area where they believed he would have landed to no avail. They got nothing from the search. Um, they even flew... Oh, that is one thing I'm sorry that I did not mention. This was a Boeing 727 plane. Okay. So they flew another Boeing 727 on the same route. And during this flight, around the time that he jumped, where they, like, kind of estimated, they followed flight paths and everything using the radar and everything. So they tried to follow the same flight path, and they actually dropped weights that weighed about as much as he would with parachutes to try and determine where he could have possibly landed. Where he would have gone, yeah. It's hard, though, because it was storming that Wind, night. Wind, rain. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. there's all sorts of variables that so go into that. It, they tried, but again, nothing worked. And there was, like, no parachute on the ground, no backpack, nothing. <gasps> okay. Nothing. Wow. All right. Um, so they even tried to send a spy plane to photograph the route taken, and there was just nothing. They got okay. nothing from I mean, all He's, of like, this. not up in the trees, like... Just dangling dead from his parachute or anything like yeah, nothing like that. Like you remember that? Have you seen Jurassic Park? Yes, <laughs> the third one. Have you seen the third one? Yes, because that's your favorite one. That is my favorite. And well, we watched the it. first one and the third one. They're my favorite ones. Yeah, um, <laughs> the the one where like mm-hmm. they find the guy in the tree and he's yeah. been dangling there for a while and everybody's like, Wah! yeah, that's just what that's what <laughs> that reminded me of. I was like, they found a skeleton in a tree. <laughs> Um, tangled. But nope, they never found parachute. They never found him. They never found like a shoe. They never found anything. Because I feel like yes, depending on depending on the strength of the wind, the strength of the wind, I feel like you could probably end up in the same general area. 
Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a science person. Well, but I feel with the wind, maybe there's a lot of theories. Okay. That I will. I talk <laughs> about. I talk about a few of them. Basic. And you're going few, too fast. A few of the factors <laughs> that go into them. Okay. And it like comes down to like specifics of the type of parachute and. Oh my god. Like li- okay. literally, it gets specific and it's okay. interesting. Um, All right. I really like this case because at least nobody got hurt. No one did. No one got hurt. I'm sorry. I had to think about that for a hot second. <laughs> I was like, Nicole, no one got hurt. He let all of the passengers go. They're, they're fine. Yeah. But this, uh, like, this it, is the like, first time I'm not like, what? Yeah. It's the, like, it's not the first time it's like, they slid his throat. And you're like, what the fuck? No, this is the first time I'm like, okay, well, this guy's stole money, but at least he didn't kill anybody. <laughs> right. Um, so... Many theorize that Dan Cooper didn't even make it to the ground um, on the night of the hijacking because, again, the the um, wind. I just like conditions. That's the, the word I was going. I was like, there was a word okay. I was looking for, and my mind went, "No, you forgot that word." <laughs> um, <laughs> the conditions were so bad that they just they really didn't think he could make it. And this is widely discussed, and I will talk about some of the okay. most popular theories in a little bit. Um, excuse me. One of the things that they did say is that for experienced skydivers, this could be easy. Yeah. But for a novice, it's really difficult. But do we know he was a novice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> More theories <laughs> Ooh, to come. Theories to come. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because I know, because Tyler, my husband, has gone skydiving. He's insane. I wouldn't. He's always like, babe, come on. See, like, <laughs> I have this thing where I want to go, and I feel like I'd get all the way up there, and I'd, I'd be like, look nope, out, nope, I'd look out, and go, oh, nope. that's really pretty, and then I'd pass out. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I'd be that one, like, in Parks and Rec, where, like, Anne goes, and she, like, can't even remember it. Yeah. Because she's so scared. That'd be me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, I need the video evidence. But he's, he said that you kind of have to go, like, head first. Yeah, you have to basically, like, dive. You have to dive in, and so, like, if you don't know that, and you're just like, wee, you just <laughs> jump off the yeah. stairs, it's possible that the wind could just go boom, boom and, you, you know, and you, like, go. Yeah. Because there's, like, something about you diving the way, it's like a car with the wind, and, like, and it's the almost, way the car is shaped. Well, and, you if know. you think about it, it's almost like um, when you watch, like, the high dives at the Olympics. Yeah. And their goal is to enter the pool at such a specific angle with their, like, in such a way because they don't want to make as much of a splash. Right. Yeah. It's like that. So you don't want to get caught by the wind. Yeah. You and like, so you're going to, like, You need, like, the aerodynamics <laughs> to work for you. Exactly. Aerodynamics. <laughs> that's a good word. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So after the hijacking... Many, many news outlet outlets received letters from people claiming to be Dan Cooper. Mm-hmm. These ranged from typed to handwritten to ransom style like magazine letters cut out. <laughs> it, I'm not even kidding. Okay. I, I was kind of sad because I couldn't find pictures of these. Oh, no. I wanted okay. there to be pictures of these so bad and I could not find them. Um, so, like, uh, um, one of them was sent from Oakdale, California, to the Reno, e- the Reno Evening Gazette, and it was sent on November 29th of 1971. So, like, just a couple days, a couple days right? later. Yeah. And this one was using the cutout letters, and it was from a, they, the letters. This time were from a newspaper. They specifics. <laughs> yeah. Um. It literally just read attention exclamation point. 
Thanks for the hospitality was in a rut. And it was signed D.B. Cooper. I feel like he would, if he is alive, he would have signed his shit as D.B. Cooper instead of being like Dan, you know, like, or something like, or like the hijacker at blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He was going to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, D.B. Cooper. <laughs> but like, I, do you think that maybe sending, I feel like sending something that has glued letters from a magazine is like the safest way <laughs> to go as long as you don't lick the seal or have any fingerprints. Yep. Like, it's just glue. Yep. <laughs> like, they can tell what glue it is. Yep. They can tell you, they can, like, one of, so them, one of them, like, they know what magazine it comes from, but it's not like, at least, like, a computer, there's evidence. If you, if yeah, you type, there's the hard drive the, and uh, stuff. So the only way you could get away successfully, oh, actually, not even, because if you type it on a typewriter, there's still the ribbon. You'd have to destroy the ribbon. Yeah, they're like, see, that's what I'm saying. Your handwriting gives you away because you can do a handwriting yep. analysis. The computer can give, like, I mean, there have been computers that they were like, oh, it's going to get into the stuff that you can get in the files. <laughs> like, and then, like, even if it wasn't back then, mm-hmm. now you could get into the files. Yeah. And, like, like you type, like you said, typewriter the ribbon. Yep. So, like, I feel like that's the safest <laughs> way. It almost is. Like, okay, everybody, write your right. Kind of look like a child doing a third grade art project, but here we go. <laughs> cut out. Here's my ribbon. Oh God. Okay. Okay. So, so he's smart. He's smart. So that's if this is him. If that's if this is him. Yes. Another letter was handwritten, received on November 30th by the Vancouver province, and said, like Vancouver, com- Canada. Okay, okay. Said the composite drawing on page three. There's no reference as to what page three is. I, I'm assuming of their newspaper. They probably put out the sketch of him. Okay. So it says the composite drawing on page three, as suspected by the FBI, does not represent the truth. I enjoy the gray cup game. I'm, and then it says, I'm leaving Vancouver. Thanks for the hospitality. And it's again signed D.B. Cooper. I don't know what the gray cup game is. The gray, like the color? Yes. Phone. <laughs> okay, keep talking. Okay. Wait, the gray cup what? Gray cup game. Gray cup game. Okay, guys. So the gray cup is um a is the name of both the championship game of the Canadian Football League and the trophy awarded to the victorious team playing in the namesake championship of professional Canadian football. Okay. Well, that so makes it's a their, lot of sense. It is their Super Bowl. Got it. Okay. Okay. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, I really was like, the, that sounds just weird. <laughs> I was like, like the color? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it popped up. The minute I write, I wrote, Grey Cup Game, Canada. <laughs> and it just was like, bing. <laughs> was like, bing. Okay. Sorry. That's good to know. I really, I really had no idea what that was. Hi, Canada. Um, Thanks, Canada. <laughs> we love you. You're cool. You have maple syrup and Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds. I yeah. Congratulations. Seriously. You're doing better than America. Much better. Um, (laughs) and back on topic so the third letter was mailed from oregon and received on december 1st by the portland oregonian okay and this again used playboy um (laughs) 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 i I almost just gave that away so you used cutout letters and this one was from a playboy magazine got it which is ridiculous and it says am alive and doing well in hometown p.o the system that beats the system. Well, D.B. Cooper. 
Okay. I don't know. But, like, what the fuck, man? What are you saying? I wish I knew. Oh, my God. Okay. So, another letter, again, was sent to the... This is four? This is the fourth. Okay. The Reno Evening Gazette. Mm-hmm. And it was rec- it was also received in December, but this one was mailed from Sacramento, California. Again, cut out letters, but this time they didn't know from what. Um, <laughs> Not Playboy. It, this just simply said, plan ahead for retirement income. Signed, D.B. Cooper. What, like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So there's two more letters that had, um, like, a big role. And these were only released because a person who was um, a man by the name of Thomas Colbert was doing a documentary. And he found out about these letters. And he actually filed a Freedom of Information Act um, request. request because these two letters were not released at the time. Okay. These were the only two that at that point the FBI had not released. Okay. And a lot of people leave that to believe, you know, leave that to maybe Oh my god. Leave that to believe. Guys, it's that Friday. They, it's they late something. and I've had a lot of wine. I apologize. <laughs> I'm um, just like, "Hey, uh, um, let me stutter over my words." I'm like, blah, 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 over here." <laughs> so, a lot of people think this means that these were more important. They Maybe taken, more authenticated. Yeah, they were taken a little more seriously. Okay, got it. Um, so this letter, the first one was received on December 11th, and it was received by multiple different um, sources. News out. News yeah. Okay. It was received by the New York Times, the Seattle Times, the Los Angeles Times, and the Washington Post. Hmm, okay. So I'm going to read you this letter, so just bear with me. Okay. It's a little odd. So this letter read, Sirs, I knew from the start that I wouldn't be caught. I didn't rob Northwest Orient because I thought it would be romantic, heroic, or any other euphemism that seemed to attach to these situations of high risk. I'm no modern-day Robin Hood. Unfortunately, I do have only 14 months to live. Hmm. My life has been one of hate, turmoil, hunger, and more hate. This seemed to be the fastest and most profitable way to gain a few fast grains of peace of mind. I don't blame people for hating me for what I've done, nor do I blame anybody for wanting me to be caught and punished, though this can never happen. Here are some, not all, of the things working against the authorities. I'm not a boasting man. I left no fingerprints. I wore a toupee. And I wore putty makeup. I feel like he only would know that. Okay, sorry, sorry. Keep going, keep going, keep going. They could add or subtract from the composite a hundred times and not come up with an accurate description, and we both know it. I've come and gone on several airline flights already and am not holed up in some obscure backwards town. Neither am I a psychopathic killer. As a matter of fact, I've never even received a speeding ticket. Thank you for your attention. D.B. Cooper. That, that seems like it might be him. Right? That one seems like it's not ju- like it's not just somebody who cut out a bunch of letters and was like, "Thanks for the retirement money," slapped on a piece of paper and sent to a local. Yeah, like, this Although, was like, sir, you probably was that handwritten? Did they say? Um, this one, no, they did not say this. Um, that was one of the Ooh. things that I could not find about this was it. Uh, they didn't say if it was handwritten or not. Okay. Okay. Um. So the documentary, the the documentary, the documentarian. You said, you, you said documentary, and I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then you went documentarian, and I was like, oh, okay. A, a person who makes documentaries. Yeah. 
That's a word. Okay. Yes, but I thought oh you were talking gosh. about a documentary. Guys, so. I'm hey, really, right I'm really sorry. I'm like, I'm stuttering this over my This wine is heart. good. It is really good. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so this, the same guy who got these letters released, Thomas Colbert, he actually believes he found a code within this letter. And when deciphered, he believed it said, I'm LT Robert W. Rackshaw. LT as in lieutenant. Lieutenant. Yeah. So a Lieutenant Robert R. Rackshaw was found. He was a paratrooper, but he denied being Dan Hoover. Okay. He wasn't a clean man either, though. He had um, a previous theft charge of $75,000 in checks. Um, okay, yeah, you could use $200,000, maybe. And he was the top suspect in his stepfather's murder. But I'm not a murderer. <laughs> I've never gotten a speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, okay. So, the FBI did go on to clear him, but Colbert was really convinced that Rackshaw was Cooper, and he has actually written a book with his evidence to show that Rackshaw, Rackshaw is, is Cooper. Okay. Um, but again, he denied this to the day he died. And they didn't have any evidence against they him. They had so no evidence. Okay. okay. Um, Rackshaw did pass away in July of last year, 2019, oh. from a heart condition. Okay. Um, so the final letter was received wasn't received until March 28th of the next year. And it okay. was mailed from Jacksonville, Florida, to the Portland, Oregonian. And... This one is odd. I'm gonna read this one to you. It's, a, it's shorter than the other one. It there's a couple t- the few times I read this to myself, I had to reread it because it's written very oddly. And there's some parts that I don't yes. know. I don't know if it was typed wrong in the article I was reading it from, or if it was just written really poorly. No, man. I've like Albert Fish. I read some of his letters and stuff like that when I had to do, when I did the episode on him, and like the language is all weird. Okay, um, I'm and glad. And it took, I had to read it a couple times to understand it. It's because it's not like, I mean, you you watch all those like period documentaries and stuff like that. They yeah. had like a different way of speaking back then. They did. So you read it now and you're like, oh, this, wait, 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 wait. what does this mean? What does this mean? And so, or like words where they don't mm. like, like we say haven't or doesn't. Yeah. And they do different words like that. Mm-hmm. Or like things we wouldn't say like that. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. So... This is the final letter that I will read to you. This letter is to, uh, I'm sorry, this letter is to let you know I am not dead, but really alive and just back from the Bahamas, so your silly troopers up there can stop looking for me. This is just how the, this is just how dumb the government is. I like your articles about me, but you can stop them now. D.B. Cooper is not real. I had to do something with the experience Uncle taught me, so here I am, a very rich man. Uncle gave too much of it to its, to world idiots. And no work for me. That was a very confusing line. He gave to me. too much of it to world idiots, and, and not no, to me. Yeah. Okay. I had to do it to relieve myself of frustration. I want out of the system and saw a way through good old unk, as an uncle. Now you know I am going around the world, and they will never find me because I am smarter than the system's la- lackey cops and lame duck leaders. Now it's Uncle's turn to weep and pay one of its own some cash for a cha- for a change, and please tell the lackey cops D.B. Cooper is not my real name. This letter was signed a rich man. Uncle, like Uncle Sam. Really? That's what he means. Is that what that means? 
Yeah, he's saying like Uncle Sam can deal with the fact that they don't have money. He's not talking about his personal uncle. Oh my god, I did not think of it that way. If you, yeah, I literally, when you were like good old unk, I was like, he means America. He has a grudge. He has a grudge. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's so it's like it's not really against someone. It's against America. America. <laughs> Shit, man. Oh my okay, my mind is fucking blown. Solving the D.B. Cooper case. <laughs> well, we don't know who it is, but no, we I know really that don't. he had a grudge against America. I really didn't. I read that letter probably three or four times before, and I was just like, I have no idea what this means. And now yeah. that you've said Uncle Sam as in America, that is so much different. It makes so much sense. Yes. The, you said because Uncle a couple times. You it, said it Unc, and then you said Uncle a couple times, and I was like, when it said, do you mean like Uncle Sam? Because when I was reading the line where he says, Uncle gave too much of it to world idiots and no work for me. He gave it to gave, like the world. Yes. But not to him personally. They gave the money personally. to all the world, and he had no work. They gave him nothing. Remember when I said it oh back, that God. line back to you? That's yes. when I was like, <laughs> I literally went, like, she, well, you guys can't see my face. I'm sorry. <laughs> my face literally was like, wait a minute. <laughs> God, it's, it's by not, It's I've not his it. personal uncle. Oh, my God. It's Uncle Sam. And I mean, probably <laughs> the FBI knows that. They probably figured that out faster than we did. Yeah, There's probably some listeners going, no shit, Sherlock. No shit, you guys. Um, <laughs> you guys are idiots. But I really, like, I read that, and I'm, I'm picturing his own uncle. And I'm sitting here, I was trying to was rack in my brain. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what he's trying to say Uncle here. Sam. But now that it's Uncle Sam, that makes a lot more sense to why they took that letter so seriously. Boom. So this was another letter that Thomas Colbert claimed was coded. Oh, my God. Okay. And he believed this one said, I'm LT Robert W. Rackshaw. Sorry, W. Uh, sorry, Robert R. Rackshaw. Not W. Uh, I can read. Dyslexia. I'm LT, I'm LT Robert R. Rackshaw. D.B. Cooper is not my real name. I want out of the system and saw a way by hijacking one jet plane. I'd be interested in seeing what his like how the code works they because if you can explain to me how the code works then i might be like yeah sure see one of the articles described like the type of code and it was like they said it was like a five six code and i for the love of god had no idea what that meant and i thought it had something to do with maybe it was every fifth word or every fifth letter or every like google every fifth and sixth letter like but Google. I tried all of those, and I could not get it to say what he found in it. A 5-6 code. Oh, yeah, it's just Awkward me, like, pause. <laughs> it's just, like, telling me weird things. Never mind. I yeah, don't so I, I don't – I have no idea what code he truly used Because if to he, like, had some sort of video or some sort of, like, thing of him – showing how the code worked yeah that i might be more inclined to believe that there was said code mm-hmm. but because 
there's he hasn't shown how he's yeah. co- decoding this thing. Like, I like, don't know. Fi- a five six like I'm thinking of five six codes are like maybe every fifth word every letter it it could be like every fifth word it could be every fifth letter it could be every fifth and sixth letter it could be like go over five letters go down six letters like i I was like i don't understand if you guys know tell us i say if you know more about that please tell me because we don't know anything but (laughs) the problem is these letters got them nowhere oh there's no what probably no fingerprints no saliva they had dude nada absolutely nothing from these letters okay so yes i did just read all of those to you to be like yep they got nothing (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so over the years they had a few potential suspects that Mm -hmm. really kept coming back around Mm -hmm. so the first one i'll tell you about his name is richard floyd mccoy jr richard floyd mccoy jr okay and in 1972 just five months after D.B. Cooper's hijacking, Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. hijacked a Boeing 727. So, okay. they interview a past roommate of McCoy's in the documentary I watched. And uh, McCoy spoke frequently about hijackings, especially after Dan Cooper hijacked the plane. Mm. He, The roommate explained that he was fascinated by this and they would often like drink and kind of shoot the shit and just like be like oh yeah like if we were how would i do this yeah yeah like when we sit around and we're like how would we commit murder we would not do that i would not (laughs) not unless i was in (laughs) self-defense and at that point it's not murder (laughs) so anyway um (laughs) the events of his hijacking were really similar he bought a plane ticket under a pseudonym. 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 I always say that wrong. I know how to say it, and I always read it as pseudonym. And I'm like, Nicole, that's not the, like not the fucking word. Pseudonym. Oh that was like when we did familicide, and you were like, you got to say this word. I can't say it. Yep. <laughs> I, it took me probably two to three weeks to learn how to say familicide. I was like, familicide? I, like, I could not. I had to text it to you, and I sat at my desk at work and was like, how do you actually pronounce this? Familicide. Yeah, what? Okay, anyway. So um, he used a pseudonym. Sweetenim. <laughs> he used a different name. <laughs> um, he used the name James Johnson to purchase this ticket. And this ticket went from Colorado to L.A. Okay. And once he was on the plane, he gave a note to a stewardess. It said he had a gun and a hand grenade. Uh, okay. He demanded $500,000 in exchange for all the passengers. And four parachutes. He really thought that the FBI would be that stupid again. Right. Sorry. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep interrupting. Anyway. So the same thing went down. They landed the plane. He got the money. He released the, the passengers. And they flew away. And he jumped with one of the parachutes. The only difference here is he was caught. So he did land, and he very much got himself caught. And the way he got himself caught is his former roommate saw the news of the hijacking and was like, huh. That sounds like the way we shot the shit and talked about it. Yep. He was like, that sounds like Richard. That's really odd. Mm. So he called the authorities and said, look, this may be a long shot, but my ex-roommate 
saying all these things. He was fascinated by D.B. Cooper. Uh, this sounds like something that he expressed he would do. So they went to his house, and the FBI searched it. And in his attic, they found the $500,000. Um, <laughs> the roommate actually said at one point he felt sort of bad. He was like, he was my friend. Like, he was my good friend. And I turned him in. I turned him in. And apparently at one point, McCoy told him that some of the money was going to be for him. And oh. he was like, he was, and he like joking was like, I wish you had told me beforehand. Ha ha ha. But it was the right thing to do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was. Oh my so. God. Okay. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> Keep going. I have so many thoughts. So he was sentenced to 45 years in prison and um, for being, for sky piracy, which is my new favorite fucking <laughs> term. That is literally the legal term is sky piracy. Sky piracy. <laughs> okay. Like, that is the greatest way to say hijacking ever. I love that. Um, so McCoy actually escaped prison um, two years later in 1974. Mm. And when police finally caught up with him, he died in a shootout. Um, I won't be taken alive. But many Oh my God, so many thoughts. Okay. But many said that he was just a copycat. He was just a fanatic yeah. that became obsessed with Dan Cooper. and was like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And yeah, um, that's that was my thought. But here's the thing. Some people also say he could have been Dan Cooper. And the first time he jumped, yes, he did make it to the ground, but he lost the money in the jump. That's why he went back and did it again. Ah. Oh, my God. OK, so yeah. many thoughts. All right. I'm not going to interrupt you anymore. But he <laughs> died. So they couldn't. So they never know. They were like, oh, so the world may never know. Another suspect that was um, one of the bigger names, his name was Lynn Doyle L.D. Cooper. Ooh, okay. Yes. L.D. Um, Cooper. His niece, Maria Cooper, actually came forward in 2011 with evidence um, thinking he was the he hijacker. Was, he was D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. She remembers just before Thanksgiving walking in the woods with her uncle and her uncle's friend. And she was very young. This obviously was 1971. She came forward in 2011. Um, she was a child, like, when this happened. When this happened, yeah. Um, and they were walking, and she remembers hearing them make plans. And she can't really recall what for. She just remembers when she asked, they kind of were like, ah, hunting. We're going to go, yeah, turkey hunting. So it was kind of just like they were like, what are we doing we're turkey hunting yeah that's what we're doing like mm. that kind of okay and she remembers the next day was thanksgiving mm -hmm. and um her uncle ld pulled up in his car with the friend her uncle was barely conscious his shirt was covered in blood and maria had been outside playing and she called to her dad who came running outside and he tried to send her back inside, but she didn't go. She kind of just, like, was hung like, back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she heard them say from the car, we did it. We hijacked the plane. We're rich. Our problems are solved. Huh. Okay. So her father actually made her swear to never talk about it. That's why it, it took her so long to come to forward. To come forward with it. Yeah. Um, 
because her uh, her father literally took her aside and was like, "You literally cannot say anything about this to anyone. I do not care like who they are. You do not speak of this." Shit. Okay. Um, okay. Excuse me. And this was like the first real suspect they've had in a long time when she came forward in 2011. And the FBI at first was like ready to just like pick him up, seal the case, yeah, pick him up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They didn't know what he was. After that, she only saw her uncle a few more times before he stopped coming around. And at one point later on in her life, she actually asked, hey, dad, what happened to Uncle LD? Like, he used to come around all the time. Christmas, holidays, like. Why isn't he here? Haven't seen him in like 20 years. Where'd he go? And her dad told her, he's probably still hiding. And that's all he said. (laughs) okay yeah that seems that seems pretty suspicious (laughs) don't be suspicious don't be suspicious okay and i'll explain my thoughts on each one of these at the end at the end okay because i i have my own personal theory and i'm interested to see what everybody so so tell us (laughs) the third main suspect was um dwayne weber Three, bo- three days before his death, um, his kidneys were failing. Dwayne tried to confess a story to his wife about a knee injury that he received from jumping out of a plane. His wife was like, you're freaking crazy. You'd never jump out of a plane. You're delusional and on a bunch from of drugs. From dying. Like, <laughs> n- no. So, the day he passed away, aside from saying, I love you, his last words were, I am Dan Cooper. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I read my note and went, what did I mean to say there? I do that all the time. And then I realized <laughs> I wrote what I meant to see, say. I just needed to read the rest of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I so do that all the time. <laughs> in in the, um, his car after his death, his wife was cleaning out his car. She found a wallet. And this wallet had an ID in it with a name she'd never heard. What? The name was John C. Collins. So she knows him as Dwayne Weber. Not So John he's C. got an ID and several cards under the name John C. Collins. She later finds out that he was actually in prison under this name. And um, not for very much. He wasn't there for very long. Okay. When he was younger. Um. And they have they have all these documents, and it's really interesting. In in the documentary, they interview his wife. Mm-hmm. She's still alive, and there's a young man. Um, I'm going to forget his name because I didn't write it down, and I'm a terrible human. Um, he actually lived in Oregon around the jump zone where Dan Cooper jumped out of the plane, ah. and he grew up hearing the story and was fascinated by it. And he actually had reached out to Dwayne's wife. And they actually are friends. Okay. She's significantly older, but she said she's like, he's like a son to me. Oh. That's how okay. long they've been, like, they've known each other. And he went through all of the documents that he had, that Dwayne had. And he actually found a tax document that said just after the hijacking from Dan Cooper happened, 
Dwayne purchased two brand new cars with cash. And, oh, and they had all the superpowers. Mm, oh, damn it. Is. Okay. But Never mind. Ac- but according to his income statements, he made no more than $1,000 that year. So, so how, there's no way. How did he buy two brand new cars outright? Okay. So, and then with when uh, they finally got his will, there was a safety uh, a safety deposit box key. When they opened it, there was a soldier fortune magazine. And in the middle was an article about Dan Cooper. The article was titled, The Man Who Held the Secrets. This is one of the only things in the box. Why would somebody keep a magazine? With Dan Cooper in it. In a and you literally say, and your last words are, I'm fucking Dan Cooper. In a safety deposit box. Oh, okay. And they, they still have this magazine. They actually show it in the documentary. Cool. That, that she still has this magazine. And uh, you can see it's like all worn out and everything. Um, That's crazy. So after he passed away, his wife kind of started to remember all of these odd things. And with the help of this young kid that um, came in, that, that lived came, in the zone, came right? out, yeah, came out to her, came right. into her life. He helped her like piece together the odd bits, bits of, of his these life. stories that she was telling him. Being and he like, like she'd tell him a story and she'd be like, he'd be like, well, wait a second, why did he do this? And so he rem- she remembered um, that at one point Dwayne had to go to a convention for his job. And this convention was in Seattle. He wanted to go a few days early, and he took her with him, and they went sightseeing. And at one point, they stopped along a lake, and they were in a car. Like, they just kind of pulled over, and they were sightseeing. And he points across the lake, and he said, that's where Cooper walked out. She had no idea what he was talking about. She was like, who the hell is Cooper? And he he didn't really... He didn't really elaborate. Okay. So, after that, they were staying at a local hotel called the Red Line Inn. And the morning they were supposed to check out, he said he had to go run an errand. And it was about 7 a.m. So, he left. And she's waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's almost checkout time. And he finally comes back. And she said when he came back, he was dirty. He was covered in dirt and she was like what's why the the hell hell were you doing and it was like dirt up his arms all over his shirt she was like what the fuck and she (laughs) he was like i gotta just take a shower and he like didn't say anything to her and like explain it he just like took a shower they checked out and left and did he dig up the money Oh, I've got some info coming for you, girl. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm not going to explain this, but it, 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 like it's coming up in the next part that okay. I'm going to talk about. Got it, got it. And you'll like hear it, and you'll be like, oh, my fucking me. Okay. So she actually, at one point, you see this photo in the documentary, and I'm going to post this as one of the pictures on Instagram. Okay. She took a picture of him. She like took up her camera, and she went to take a picture. And he was normally kind of a reserved guy, but it was the same day after he'd come back all dirty. All dirty. 
and he was in like a weirdly good mood and she went to take a picture of him and he jumped out of his seat threw his arms in the air and yelled geronimo and she snapped the picture and you see him like arms wide he's got this huge wide mouth smile he's like all happy and he yelled geronimo like jumping geronimo <laughs> so the fourth and most known suspect her name is Barbara Dayton <laughs> okay sorry I didn't mean to laugh at that. <laughs> I was like wait <laughs> so Barbara was a transgender pilot okay sorry oh my god I feel terrible <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh it's, it's okay I laughed at first too because they were like Barbara Dayton I went what, what? That was, like, my first thought was, like, okay, my, all these men and then Barbara Dayton. And my okay. brain didn't process because it was 1971. Like, that wasn't a thing then, yeah. Okay. So. Sorry, guys. We are not insensitive. We apologize. <laughs> it's just, it's odd for the time. Yeah. And so it's a little shocking, honestly. Um, excuse me. So Barbara was a pilot. Okay. She was extremely talented. They said that she was, like, one of the best pilots um she was really good at skydiving um and huh. she just like was really talented in the field of planes okay um and fun fact she was the first person in washington state to have a sex change oh ever good for you yep um so she had met this couple where she worked at th- where she like had her plane at the airfield and everything and they worked there and they became close friends over time because they just shot the shit. They worked there together. And um, one thing that they said was this, they interviewed this couple and they said, frequently D.B. Cooper came up in conversation. They lived where it happened. In that area, yeah. And they worked at an airfield. It was just a popular topic. People, you know, spit theories all the time. Mm-hmm. And this couple said that Every time they brought up Dan Cooper, she would get, like, visibly upset. She was always defending him. She, like... Defending? Oh. Yeah. Defending him. Okay. And it got to the point where um, one night, one of the friends looked at her and was like, Oh, Barbara, if I didn't know better, I'd think you were Dan Cooper. Oh, well, shit. And she became furious. And she was like, don't you ever say that to me again. Stormed out left. And everybody was like, what just happened? Huh. So a little later on, she kind of lightened up about the topic again. And one night they convinced her to let them, like, dress her up how Dan Cooper had been dressed. Like the composite drawing. So they parted her hair the same way. And at this point she had long hair. Um... But they put on, like, there's one sketch of him wearing sunglasses, because at one point he was wearing sunglasses on the plane. So, like, they put on similar sunglasses. They parted her hair. They took a photo of her, a Polaroid. And then they compared it to the sketch. They were practically identical. And, like, they did this as a joke. Like, oh, let's see. Like, let's compare you. But then they actually saw the comparison, and everybody just went silent. They said everybody just stopped talking and was staring at Barbara. 
because none of them knew what to do. They're all like, oh. They were like, um, Barbara, you want to tell us something? Excuse us? And Barbara looked at them and said, okay, you got me. I am Dan Cooper. Huh. She could describe details of the hijacking, oh, the jump, the landing. She talked about how, where she landed, how she got out, what she did with the money. She, like, had every detail. But nobody really knew what happened after Dan Cooper jumped. So it was like, is she telling the truth? Yeah. And um, Barbara's, they, they talked to some of Barbara's family. And Barbara's brother actually remember when the hijacking first happened and they first released the sketch on the news. Uh-huh. Um, her brother was sitting around with his family and they were all watching it. And the second the image popped up, her brother looked at the screen and went, oh, my God, that's Barbara. That's Barbara. Oh, my God. OK. Um, Shit. Obviously, at the time, she was not Barbara. Um, this was technically before she had the sex change, but I am not dead naming. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. So, oh my God, the okay. hijacking happened before Barbara had the sex change. Before Barbara was Barbara. a female. Yes. Okay, I got it. I got. I, okay, um, I was like, wait. So I'm. It, just it's a. <laughs> we're talking about this as a female being the being a female. Yes. And okay. But okay. when the hijacking happened, this was before. I was switching it around, and I was so confused. <laughs> okay, okay, no. now I'm, it makes sense to um, me. Okay. So, excuse me again. Um, so, um, after that day, Barbara's brother refused to talk about it. Anytime oh, like, somebody tried to, like, trouble. mention her, sorry, the Dan. Sorry, in trouble. Anytime somebody tried to mention the Dan Cooper hijacking, her brother just shot them down. He was like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's a few other suspects that came and went. Um, some of the bigger names I'll mention were Kenneth Christensen, Jack Kofelt, um, William Gossett, Robert Rickards Lepsey, Tom May- uh, Ted Mayfield, sorry, Walter R. Recca, William J. Smith, and someone we already know, John List. John um, Not John Lynn. <laughs> so for the next five years after the hijacking happened, they brought in over 800 potential suspects. Shit. The four I just told you about are the four most known and most believed. Okay. Um, those are the four that the documentary focuses on. Okay. And guys, watch the, when I say watch this documentary, watch this documentary. Because I you have to. You're going to come out of it like going, I don't know who I believe. I have. I literally don't know. I have my theories, but I literally could. I couldn't. I could not be like, yeah. I think it's definitely this one person. Shit. So, um, one of the passengers that was on the plane, his name was Bill Mitchell. Okay. And he said that for about the next year and a half after the hijacking, Mm -hmm. the FBI was at his house two to three times a week. With new batches of photos of potential suspects. For him to look at. For him to look at. Wow. Um, but never were any of them right. He was like, none of them. These don't look right. 
fit. Yeah. He was like, that guy's eyes, his nose, maybe, but like none of them were Vancouver. Shit. Um, so from here, the case kind of goes cold. Okay. It kind of fizzles out and it's just kind of a theory lingering in the back of everybody's mind as time goes on. Okay. So it is nine years later. It's 1980. And along the Columbia River, which is just north of Portland, uh, a very young boy named Brian Ingram, Ingram, sorry, made a discovery. He was digging in the sand by the river's edge. He was digging a fire pit for his family. They were having a picnic and they wanted to light a fire. So he was digging a fire pit and as he was digging with his hands, he uncovered three bundles of cash. That guy, he was dirty. I'm they sorry. Were <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? That guy was dirty. Okay. <laughs> sorry. And remember, that guy, where they were, they were in Washington. Right. Which is, they were like, they drove around sightseeing for a few days. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, sorry, I had to adjust my, adjust the posture. <laughs> I, I fidget a lot. Um, so during, sorry, I just read that line already. These three bundles for each wrapped with a rubber band, um, and the serial numbers matched. Jesus. Okay. So, okay, there was a small discrepancy that I was, between how much money was found. Okay. The documentary I watched stated $3,000. Okay. Only one other source I saw said $3,000, and I actually took them off of my source list and ended up not using things from that article because they had several incorrect pieces of information. Okay. Like, they even, they, they called the airplane the by the wrong model number. Like, that's how wrong that article was, so I got rid of it. Okay. okay. Um, every other source I read said it was $5,800. Okay. Um, and that includes the FBI sources. Okay, got it. So I'm not sure why the documentary says, says 3000 3, Okay, okay. Um, but I wanted to tell you both. Um, this new evidence brought so many more theories. So people think he died on the way down. They would have found him somewhere. His parachute? His body? His body? The money? Like... They got nothing. And all of a sudden, 45 miles away from the drop zone, a young boy digs up these three bundles of money. Oh, I can't. Okay. So the FBI then goes on to search the beaches. They dredge the river and they find nothing else. Um, okay. Until dun, dun. this year 2020 yes okay that's why i was so excited to cover this because there was new information as of august oh okay so a scientist by the name of tom k he discovered and i sorry i'm not in the science field if i say this wrong diatoms i believe they're called okay and they are tiny deposits of algae and he discovered this on the money okay and Researching the type of algae, he found out that this specific type of algae can only grow 
in the springtime in that area. Yes. Okay. Not in the wintertime. Okay. Which is when Cooper jumped from the airplane. Right. He jumped in November. Right. So that eliminates a lot of theories about how the money got there. It would have had to it would have had to been put there later on. Some people believed that when he jumped, maybe the cash spread everywhere, a few things floated down river. He strapped that shit to himself. And it's he's no. And they said that for it to have floated down river forty five miles away, it would have had to go down all of these little narrow pathways and for the three bundles to end up right side by side was just unimaginable. Somebody dug that up. It does not make sense. Somebody definitely dug Um, that up. And it's not like he made it to the ground, hiked really far, and then buried some money because, like they said, the algae found on it only grows in the springtime. There was no evidence of any other algae on there, so clearly it was not there in the wintertime. It was not there at that time. They also... um, Hold on. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Where did I put that piece of... You left my phone. I'm so sorry. I like know a fact and I can't remember where I put it. I put it down there, but I'm going to move it because I, it goes right now. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I remember this and I want to make sure I'm not crazy before I say it. Right. So when the FBI was investigating this, they found out that in 1974, uh-huh. the river had been previously dredged. Okay. So they dug up all the sand and they put a new layer down. <gasps> they dug deep. And so after they found this money in 1980, they dug all these different trenches across the beach. And as you get so far down, the sand changes because that's where they. That's, that's where they made that th- layer. That's yeah. how far down they dug to put the new sand. So this money was above that layer, meaning it was not there. It before was moved. It was not there before 1974. Moved. Shit. It's not possible for it to have been there before 1974. Okay. Um, they also ran tests on the rubber bands. The rubber bands that were around the money were still intact. They found, they got the same type of material, rubber bands, mm-hmm. and they tested them. If they sat in water for over a year, they would have snapped apart. Shit. These rubber bands were still intact. What? Yeah. Crazy! So... Okay. <laughs> Um, just a little, just a little fun fact. They let Ingram keep half the money. This money, this money was not usable. It was like you, I will post pictures of it. You, um, there's holes in it. A lot of it was stuck together. So like when they tried to peel apart it to rip, the edges are like all crumbled away. So it was kind of almost rounded off and like, why wouldn't you put it in something? Yeah. And so, um, he actually sold 15 of the bills he was allowed to keep. And remember, these are all just $20 bills. So 15 $20 bills, that's $300, okay? He sold these at an auction. He made $40,000. <laughs> Off of $300. <laughs> That's pretty good. Everybody's like, I want those serial numbers! Stay serious. It's the only money that has ever been found. The m- none of the other two hundred thousand dollars has been found. Only this fifty-eight hundred. Shit. Yeah. So, 
after this, again, the case just goes cold. They get a few little bits more of information, and it's just, it's not enough. Okay, so, come 2007, FBI special... They found the algae this year? This year. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I put that in there when I read about it afterwards, because it, I, no, it, it went together. No, sen- it makes sense with the timeline. But no. after, after they found the money in 1980, it went completely cold again. And then until 2007. So, okay. 2007, special agent, uh, FBI special agent Larry Carr decided he wanted to take on this case. He'd been fascinated with it since he was a kid. He was like, I want to solve this case of BB Cooper. Like every wino mom but on the Friday night. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> though. Sorry, yeah. But the problem is, he they told him he could not use government funding for it. He could take on the case, but he could not have funding for it. He had to fund it on his own. Okay. But what he did is he released the documents to the public. He put them all out in the public, and he said, I want your help. Help. Yeah, help me. He told them things that hadn't been released before. Like, all this new information came out. Um, and this is where that citizen research team was formed. Oh, the people you, yes. Yes. Okay. So, they formed this team, and they called themselves the Cooper Research Team. They were the only team that was allowed to access the physical evidence. And the tie-ins. Yes. Okay. They, and, uh, like, the um, the parachute that he had, like, cut the strings off of to tie the money bag, they had that because he left it on the plane. Uh, he just, like, yeah. took the parachute apart, left it open, and cut all the straps off for it to tie yeah. the money. Yeah. Okay, I forgot um, about that. So they focused heavily on testing this physical evidence. And they even got to access some evidence that wasn't made public because even though he took a lot of the information was like here's most of it right there's still things that they can't give out because they have to have something that if anybody came forward and was like i'm db cooper they're like well what about this tell me about this and that's how they know you're lying right 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 right. that kind of thing so um they were studying this physical information and now remember in the beginning he smoked a lot on the plane like eight cigarettes right they collected those eight cigarette butts and then they lost them what? It could be like the one way we could catch Dan Cooper and find out who he is, and the FBI has <sighs> no idea where these cigarette butts are. <laughs> I, can't. <laughs> I can't. Okay. I I read that. That makes me fucking furious. I read that, and I was so mad. That makes me furious. Um, at one point in the documentary, they ask one of the the agents who they interview what happened they were like what happened to the cigarette butts and he was like he like kind of laughed and was like you know that we don't know where they are he's like they're gone like we don't know what happened to them he's like yeah but like what do you think happened to them he's like i don't know he's like laughing i'm like this is not funny this is the one way you could y'all like id somebody y'all lost this evidence this is your fault yeah fuck you guys (laughs) maybe not directly but you shouldn't be giggling about that because it's kind of a big deal I literally, I literally wrote in my notes, in all caps, the biggest boo-boo ever. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. The biggest boo-boo Because they could have done exactly what they did with, like, the Golden State Killer. They could have ran that in familial DNA. They could have caught him with familial DNA. But no. Fuck. Okay. So, um, there is some written testimony, some eyewitness testimony, but 
they didn't really go into this. The citizen team, they focused um, more on the physical. Right. The parachute didn't really tell them anything. I was reading about it, and they kind of, they go in depth about, like, the remaining lengths of the string. And I was like, okay, that's... He probably was just, like, cutting. Yeah. It really wasn't... There was nothing important there. Right. Um, the biggest discovery was when they tested the tie, they actually found fragments of different types of materials on this tie. Huh. Um, they found fragments of bismuth, aluminum, and titanium. Huh. And this is very rare. They said that for this to happen, he had to work in an environment where this stuff was heavily used. So he most likely worked in some kind of chemical or metal factory. What? And he had to wear that tie often for the amount of fragments that were on it. Wow. Okay. Um, so they have a website if you want to check them out. It's citizen com. Citizen Sleuths. Okay. Um, now, they talk about some of the biggest debated facts. And one of them is the parachutes. Okay. So, skydiving experts reviewed this case up and down. Um, and they said that there's such contradicting evidence here where they said there are certain things he did that make him seem like a seriously professional skydiver. And then there's other things that make him seem like he's literally never done it before. Okay. <laughs> so they broke it down. And I, well, I kind of broke it down because they had it all over the place. And I was like, I'm going to make this in a bulleted list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. Whee! I'm a Capricorn. I like my lists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so things that they said kind of made him a novice was he requested front and back parachutes. This is something that you're, you like you use when you're training because you get one in the front, one in the back. Okay. Um. He selected a military-style chute that is not steerable. Some some parachutes, you can steer them. Yeah, yeah, with those. He like chose just, like, a drop parachute, like a safety parachute. So this was not something he could steer. Well, when he keeps saying you need to slow down, you need to slow down. Mm. Mm. Okay. So that, and he took two chutes with him when he jumped. One of them, by mistake... Even the FBI didn't know till after. They were sold because they they ended up buying these parachutes from a local skydiving company. Right. Um. They found out that it was a reserve chute, and it was used for te- like training on the ground. They just like to wear as like to put on a chute to test on the ground to feel it. It was not meant to be a chute. It was sewn closed, and he did not notice this, and he wore it. If he had needed his reserve chute, he would have died. What? Okay. That and um, he jumped out of the airplane at night in the middle of a storm wearing a suit, loafers, and a trench coat. But don't worry, ladies. He took off his clip-on tie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say. It's very odd. Yeah. But then they say... The things that make him seem experienced were he turned down the instruct like the offer for instructions on how to use the shoots. When the authorities offered, he was like, "No, I don't want that. I don't need that." Um, the military shoot he selected, even though it wasn't steerable, it was good for leaving planes that were traveling at high speeds. Ah, okay. And 
when he did put the shoots on, he strapped them on like he knew what he was doing. He put them on and, like, had them on right away. There was no fuss. There was no – he just put the shoot on and had it on. Okay. But those were the only things that made him seem like he knew what he was doing. My, I was like uh, – Yeah. My mind is like, I don't know what you're <laughs> I can't process right this right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to think. So um, people go back and forth on the jumping at night in the rain. People say it's a sign of, like, lack of expertise. But then other people were like, it's a sign of confidence. He knew what the fuck he was doing. If he yeah. if he was going to jump out of a plane. And you didn't find his body. Like, you didn't find any parachutes. They were going to fly him all the way to Mexico City. He could have just taken the plane all the way there and gotten off. But he chose to jump. He had the parachutes, and he made the choice to jump out of that plane. So they were like, huh. maybe he was confident he could do it. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So the other facts that are kind of debated a lot are the money that's found along the river. So like I told you, they did the test on the rubber band and the rubber bands were still together. But the money was highly degraded. Yeah. Degraded, so yeah. <laughs> it's like how I thought oh it was God. said defective instead of defective. I've been talking so much I haven't even finished my first glass Yeah, of I wine. know. I'm like, girl... You're going to have to stay late. Just finish all this wine. <laughs> I'm not drinking it myself. Um, so there's one theory that says maybe that money was buried in some kind of bag. Okay. That over time that bag kind of disintegrated mm -hmm. and disappeared. And that's why the money was still wet and still kind of gross. But the rubber bands themselves were still intact because they were protected for so long. Okay. Yeah. There's no evidence of this. Well, but, so it but the algae. An algae. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. An algae can get through a bag. Prepare to not sleep tonight and not be able to stop thinking about D.B. Cooper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what happened to D.B. Cooper? And I mean, the other theory is, the other, I'm sorry, the other debated fact is how the Freak nugget did the money get there? Yeah. It was he walked 45 miles. Exactly. He walked when people are looking for him. Yeah. And with the algae, it was clearly put there in the springtime, not the winter. Right. So did he just hang around and come back? Was it Dwayne Weber? Mm. Who was all dirty that day? Yeah. Did he dig it and put it in the sand? Huh. Shit. <laughs> yep. Or did somebody else bury it? Did he give some of the money away? Yeah, and they did were he like, have somebody go bury it for him? Right. Like, yeah. And it's, why did he bury it so shallow? Because remember, I said in 74, that river had been dredged. Yeah, they, and they, and they and it pulled was, up all the, all the. Things. It was very close to the top. Like, he, that little boy did not have to dig far to find Yeah, I mean, money. you're digging, like, for a fire. You're not digging to, like, yeah, do he, anything else. Yeah, he wasn't out there with a shovel. He was literally digging with, with his hands. hands. Yeah. Huh. So how Shit. was it so disintegrated and so torn apart but so close to the surface and not found until that moment? Like, you think the sand around it would have eroded faster. Like, you would it would have been found already. Yeah. If it was right there. Huh. Because you think, like, a storm would come along. 
Yeah, and the and sand would shift. Away. The t- like something would happen, and they were all side by side. Weird. So it's not like they got pushed downstream or anything, because they were right next to each other. They were right where someone put them. i'm breaking macy (laughs) i don't know what to say but um that's kind of it that's like the main facts of that case and it is still widely debated who is really db cooper and it's funny because in the documentary i watched where they were talking to the family members and people who knew like each uh, each of the four main suspects, they said their final question was, "Who do you think is DB Cooper?" Yeah, who's DB Cooper? And each one of them said the person that they were interviewed about. They all thought wow. it was that person. So, um, it's still kind of up in the air. But as of July twelfth, two thousand six, forty five years after the hijacking happened the FBI closed the investigation. There was um, Agent uh, Agent Carr that took it over and did, like, the public yeah. investigation, but the FBI took their, their resources and put, put them, them elsewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. They were done spending money on it. Um, wow. There is a man by the name of Jerry Thomas. He's a Vietnam Special Forces war veteran. And he's been hiking the woods where Cooper is supposed to have landed Yeah. for over 30 years. And he said he's been up and down those woods 16 ways to Sunday, and he has never found anything. And he says in the interview they do with him, he was like, I don't, he said, I don't think he lived. I think if I were to find him, just like we talked about, he's hanging from that parachute stuck in a tree somewhere. He's like, I don't look for the, I don't look for the body. I don't, I look for the parachute because that's where I'm going to find him. Yeah. Um. Wow. And just a little few fun facts. So to sum it up and put a little bit of a lighter note on it. Um, little bow. All Boeing 727s are now fitted with a device called the Cooper Vane. This is a wind pressure activated lock. That now prevents the stairs from being opened mid-flight. Okay. Fun fact number two is that uh, skydivers can actually now earn what is called a Cooper certificate. And it is by legally jumping out of a Boeing 727. Okay. My brain. My brain. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to think. That's incredible. I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of that. I was reading like between reading and watching and everything i i was like i I don't even have an idea at least with like cropsy i had some theories but the second i was reading through this case i'm like i don't know i think that the fourth letter that you mentioned where he's like the the long one maybe the one i talked about six of them so okay yeah maybe the fifth not the one about uncle sam the one before the fifth one yeah seemed legit to me that one is the one that i believed the most seemed legit to me and the guy who said whose last words thank you pushing (laughs) the wine um (laughs) and the guy whose last words are fucking i'm db cooper 
I'd be more inclined to believe that than anything else. That's one of my main picks. And the dirty thing, and then the thing not being dug that far deep. Mm -hmm. Like, that just seems weird. I personally think Dwayne Weber is the most credible suspect. From what yeah. I've been told. It's hard because he wasn't alive. He's not alive anymore. And you can't talk to him. But his wife had all of those stories. And like you said, the being all dirty coming back that morning, clearly like. And being like, oh, that's where D.B. Cooper landed. Like, you fucking yeah. know. Like, that's weird. Just uh, I mean, buying cars outright with cash when his income was far too low to buy two cars. But you think like, they would have found those bills. Yeah. They'd be looking for those but I also have worked in a real retail company, and how do you keep track of that stuff after a while? Well, in a, yeah, exactly. And it was 1971. Right. It's even harder back then. It, how can you, how can you keep track of money in circulation like that back then? I don't unless it goes into a bank directly. I don't feel that they could. I mean, guys, if you know anything about tracing money like that let me know i mean if it's cash it's cash yeah i was gonna say it's really hard to trace cash i mean it's not like my my i don't have a cashier door <laughs> i used to it's not like cashier doors have a freaking scanner on them it's no like, you just put beep, the cash beep, in the thing. bad serial number like that stuff isn't known unless that cash is put into a bank right so which is probably what they were hoping for mm -hmm. so who knows he could have used that cash I think I I completely remove Richard McCoy. I think he was a copycat. I definitely think he was a copycat. I think he was fascinated by D.B. Cooper. And I know he did basically the same thing. And I just think but you can But if there's so many media sources reporting on the same thing and you're reading all, you're going to like know the details and you yeah. can be able to replicate it to a certain extent. Exactly. And he, he did to a point. He basically almost got away with it if he had just shut his mouth and not talked not to his ta roommates. Not much. told anybody. <laughs> Shit. Guys, tell us what you think. I'm my mind is blown. And there's other there's other suspects out there. There's the Richard Rackstraw guy. Even though he denied it, even though FBI ruled him out, people still think he might have been Dan Cooper's. Thomas Colbert wrote a book on him. Think like with the evidence trying to say that I think but why would you put a like, code in it that tells your name? That's I to fuck with people. I don't know. Or to fuck with this guy. I have a grudge. I, I, it it literally could be anything. Wow. I am I'm blown away. I don't know what to do. Literally I'm just like you're laughing. You just have all of this knowledge now that literally has no answer. And it's going to drive you bonkers. Ah! Okay. Ryan came home when I was like mid-watching the HBO documentary. He was like, what's this about? I was like, I can't. I cannot. I can't do this right now. I cannot <laughs> talk to you right now. <laughs> Shut up. I was like, I can't explain this. I don't know how to explain this other than there was a man that hijacked a plane and they don't know who he is. <laughs> um, wow. It, I have no clue. It really, I don't even have a theory. It really is bizarre. And just. I feel like this guy. He was so quiet. He did this so quietly. Nobody knew. And that's why I was inclined to believe that one letter over the other because it was a little less. Like, in your face. In your face. Yeah. Yeah. It was way more reserved, way calmer. And 
no nobody on that fucking flight knew anything was happening. Mm-hmm. And he so I am more inclined to believe that it was a, a criminally sophisticated person. Yeah. He was not... To an extent. Like, he wasn't jumpy. He he wasn't sweaty. Like, he just no. handed it over and over. He's like, I have a bomb in my suitcase. I'm hijacking this plane. Give me my money and I'll let you go. Yeah, there was no frills. They, nothing like, like, I'm going to shoot you exactly. or like anything like they, that. And they describe him as such a basic man. He was just your average. But when he said, I wore white guy. face putty, I wore a toupee. A toupee. I was like, shit. And he said, I left no fingerprints. He was like, and then he said, I'm not a boasting man. That was another thing. Yes. And that is what kind of got me because. Just like I just pointed out. It's not like he's standing up in the middle of the plane with a gun being like, I'm hijacking this yeah. plane. No, exactly. he was so quiet about it. He was so like, he let them, <sighs> he let them fly in circles and let the passengers believe there was just a mechanical issue. He let them keep it quiet. He did not give them an issue with hiding it from the passengers and trying to keep the passengers safe. He like, he just, he was just like, I just want money. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. He's like, just pay me my ransom, give me my parachutes, and let me fly to Mexico City. That's all I want. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Tell us what you think. Please tell me what you think. If you've done any like further research on this and you have like a serious, like, oh, I think it's this person, we want to know. And there are a lot of documentaries and movies on this. I mm -hmm. watched the newest one because I wanted the most current information. Yeah. But there are quite a few documentaries. There's movies based on this. Yeah. Um, one of the movies I believe has Ryan Reynolds in it. Is it really? Literally talking Ryan about Ryan Reynolds came out twice tonight. Canada. God, I love Ryan Reynolds. We love him. Um, <laughs> but tell us your theories. Seriously, deep di deep dive into this deeper than I dove because because there's only so much that really, we can do and like wow. This is a long one. Is it really? Hour and 45. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. guys. Sorry, guys. This is a long one. But um, let us know what you think. Because I literally have no fucking clue. If you've There's only so much that we can do in these. We have to get give you the most information we can try to give you in, like, a two-hour span without you losing interest. Yep. So – and. I will tell you, I did not have that many notes. I had six and a half pages of notes. But that's how thick my notes were. Yeah. Like a lot of uh, dense see, information. The last time we did an episode was this long was Dybbuk Box. And my Dybbuk Box episode, I had I had like eight you and a half pages. You picked long ones. I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny I picked short ones. At first, I didn't think I was going to have much. I had about. Oh, yeah. I had under five pages of notes. And I was like, I don't know. I, I went this might through be a mini. pages and pages and pages. And then I watched the documentary. Yeah. And my four and a half pages turned into six and a half, almost seven pages. And I was like, oops. <laughs> but, we all, but I also was like, what? And we would talk about our theories kind of in the middle, too. So we took a little while talking to you. Yeah. Anyway. Tell but, us what you think. Because we want to know. When, when it's a case like that where it's just theories and theories and theories, you got to talk about it. Yeah. You can't just like gloss over th things. Yeah. So it's like, I'm glad you you're didn't. not you're not listening to a story. This case is literally unsolved. This is. Shit. Evidence. Like this is a case that you could try to solve. Try.
try. Help us try. You will probably fail. <laughs> God damn it, FBI. Find the cigarette butts. I mean, yeah, find the cigarette butts. Jesus. I was f- literally furious when I when I was listening to that agent laugh about the fact that Fucking they didn't know Fucking familial DNA. A lot of killers they, are being caught now because of familial fucking DNA. The Grim Sleeper, the Golden State Killer. There was another dude who they found, like, this girl in, like, an oil drum, and they didn't know who she was, and they compared her DNA to, like, people in the, in the system, and it, her father was, like, a, conf- a convicted, like, killer. Oh, my God. And, like, they have found other girls that are similar, so they know that the, like, what the fuck? Like, that's Shit. crazy. Familial DNA is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, guys. and they honestly, even if it, even if it didn't happen now, it could happen freaking thirty years from now when his great 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 granddaughter takes a freaking twenty three and me, and <laughs> yeah, ancestry.com. They'll be like, <laughs> wait a second, this matches. <laughs> this is uh, DB Cooper's stuff. Yeah, but fucking find that shit, man. I just, it blows my mind that evidence can literally just be lost. Quotes. I <laughs> say so your air quotes are appropriate. <laughs> lost. Quote, quotes. I just. Because is there another theory that we don't know about? Well, see, that was something I was surprised I didn't come across. Was some, some sort of like. Was some kind of theory about the fact that those cigarette butts are now gone. That's so weird. Do you hear that downstairs? Yes. <laughs> my husband's making dinner. Is, is that what he's doing? It sounds like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he came home from the grocery store, and I have heard like, nothing but, like, <laughs> cabinet slam, 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 <laughs> open fridge, all I drawers. Heard, <laughs> when, you, when you said that, all I remembered was, like, Michael Scott from The Office, where he's like, chang, boom, gling, clop. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. I love you very much. You don't. You don't sound like that, but it's loud. <laughs> anyway, um, Macy, where can they find us? Oh my God, I get to do my thing now. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I told everybody to stick around for the end, and they really stuck around. If they're sticking around, if you're sticking around, we applaud you. I really um, do. This was a long one. Because my brain is like, I can't even think. Okay, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at BuzzKillersPod. BuzzKillersPod. And now we're starting to change the way we post on Instagram. We like the way better. So check it out a little more because it's going to be lots more pictures. You won't have to go to our Instagram page so much. Twitter. What did I say? You said we're changing the way we post on Instagram. Sorry, Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> I was talking about Twitter. Anyway, and then um, you can check out our uh website at buzzkillerspodcast.com buzzkillerspodcast.com and <laughs> this is really hard I can't. <laughs> and, um we have a cool wine page that tells you all, all about oh the prophecy goddess of virtue it tells you prophecies no way that's not what it does it tells you about the wine we drank today which was prophecy goddess of virtue um and all the other wines that we've tried um there's a little page about us there's also a page um, where you can contact us, or if you're feeling lazy and don't want to go to our um, our website and you just want to directly email us from your email address, we are 
buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com dot com dot com um and you can listen to us on apple podcast spotify amazon music google podcast podbean <clears throat> our website amazon music i said amazon music did I you say crap hold on do this again spotify <laughs> Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean. Pandora. Pandora. I like oh, Pandora. I heard Apple Podcasts and then didn't hear Amazon. So I, was I like, thought Amazon. I said, maybe I didn't say Amazon I Music. But we said at one point we were going to write these down and we really should. We really should. I'm going to do this. <laughs> we should just stick. We should have like a thing that we just copy and paste at the end of our show notes. Oh, oh no, wait. But that doesn't make sense because the person not. Wait, the person that doesn't tell their story. No, it doesn't. That, that doesn't make sense. Never when mind. I I'm going to put it on a piece of paper. But I, I, I put, if you put it in your show notes, usually I put most of the show notes in. Wait, wait, you're talking about your note notes? Yeah, to like read it. Oh, right oh, 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 yeah. Which no, make yeah, sense. so because the, the person who, I'm going to just write it down and we'll put it on a sticky note in the middle <laughs> of the, Bless you! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to put a sticky note in the middle of our little table here. But anyway, <laughs> you can hear us in all those places. Yes, And hopefully guys, some new places soon, maybe. Give me your theories. Yeah, we're dying to know. Like, I, I have nothing on this. I am brain dead on this. I've I have stared at it for a week and a half, and I have no idea what to do. <laughs> That's how I felt about the Amityville horror. I was like, was this a hoax? I don't know. I'll never know. I don't. I, I mean, I'll never know I was not there. But, like, shit, I don't know. Because they are, they fucking passed a polygraph. Like, you really have to believe that shit to pass a polygraph. Anyway, yeah. So let us know what you think because we're dying to know. And I'm dying to know because I really, my brain can't think right I now. I was going to say, you might blow our minds like Macy blew mine when she was like, Uncle Sam. And I went, what? Uncle uh, I really, I had <laughs> no idea. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. We've got some more great things coming at you for yes. Lady's Choice. I have not picked mine yet. I haven't either. <laughs> and mine is in a week. So I gotta do it quick. Um, But yeah, so keep listening to us and um, send us things that you want to listen to. Send us like your own sort of stories. Send us your theories. We want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. We love Literally, you. you could just send us a direct message that says, hi, I love you. And I'll be like, oh, my God, I love you, too. I don't know who you are, but I <laughs> love you, too. We just love you all. So um, keep checking us out and let us know if there's anything that you want to know or hear or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>